Forgotten Cinema is getting romantic for our eighth season and just in time for Valentine's Day as we cover the 90s ensemble drama, Beautiful Girls. We'll then do a complete 180 as we dive into some spy films, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and Spy Game. We'll find out why white men can't jump and whether you should shoot to kill while enjoying a Frankenweenie. Nope, that doesn't make any sense. You know what else doesn't make sense? This season will also feature our 100th episode of Forgotten Cinema. Feels like 100 years. Don't I know it. Forgotten Cinema. Never stop, never stopping. Yes, that's a hint. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Do you like beer? Do you like podcasts? Do you like beer podcasts? Then check out Crackin' One Open, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every week, we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country. And sometimes the world. We'll talk about how it was made, what's in it, the history of the brew, and the brewery. Then we'll give our tasting notes, and while we're finishing up, we'll talk about some of the latest goings-on in the world of pop culture. So check out Crackin' One Open with Mike and Elise, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. to the well-rounded table two bohemian geek studies where we take those extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms i'm padawan learner and defender of droids sarah o'connor welcome welcome why hello there i'm colleen mcmillan jedi master and rebel scum collaborator and i am pirate jedi anders drew well we may vary in terms of our ranks here on bgs one thing will always remain constant much to learn we still have. Mm-hmm. This season on Bohemian Geek Studies, we're taking a detailed dorky dive into Star Wars Rebels. Woo, 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 woo. Yeah. I love it, you guys. I'm just excited every day. Today, we're diving into episodes three and four of season one called Droids in Distress and Fight or Flight. We have done our absolute best to scramble our signature here, so we will be avoiding spoilers for future episodes of Rebels, but I will throw in an adult content warning. Just in case. case. Yeah, just in case. So without further ado, let's hop aboard the ghost and head to Lothal to explore our favorite holocons of knowledge. Colleen, let's open up that first holocron with the force. Pew pew, here we go. Our first holocron is the Journal of the Wills where we will be talking about the plot, the episode synopsis, and a little bit of summary. The first episode is Droids in Distress. Love, love this episode. <laughs> the ghost crew is restless and in need of a job. Despite Seb's hesitations, which are fair, Kanan decides to take a tip from Visago and steal some more weapons. And Ezra is down for any trade with Visago because they got to make that money and a kid's got to eat. And he, he wants to get, to get to some force training. He does want to get some force training and he's very excited about that. The crew boards a transport where Sabine impersonates an Imperial cadet, which, amazing, <laughs> and cons her way into information about the hangar where the weapon shipment will be, while feeding false information to Minister Tua, who really has to stick up her butt. We'll talk more about her upcoming episodes. On board the shuttle are two very familiar faces. <laughs> C-3PO and R2-D2, our beloved droids. Of course, things do not go as planned, because when do they ever? And the result is 3PO and R2 on board the ghost with the loot. So Which I think is a great ending. I love it. I love it. Yes. Hysterical. Those two droids, I swear. True to form, 3PO panics. Shocking, everyone. Classic. Well, R2 insists that his real mission was to sabotage the shipment. So he's like, this is going great. (laughs) We're doing a great job, 3PO. This one, this part is really tough. Zeb, having discovered the weapons RT-7 ion disruptors, suggests that they scrap the whole mission and destroy the take. Mm-hmm. And I'm with Zeb on this one. Yes, these yeah. are very awful weapons that should have been destroyed. He's in a particularly bad mood, and he kicks Ezra out of their <laughs> new shared room. <laughs> Which is funny, but understandable. Ezra's upset, but Hera tells him that Zeb's people were devastated by troops using T7s, basically genocide. Good job, Empire. And Ezra feels sympathy for his bunkmate at this point. Of course, 3PO manages to call the Empire for help, classic him. And after landing at the meeting site on the fall, Agent Callus shows up to take out the rebels. R2-D2 joins the ghost crew and 3PO after realizing that the Empire isn't interested in rescuing him because of course they're not. That was a great moment when he's running away. He's like, you're here to rescue me. (laughs) (laughs) 
He also helps overload and destroy the disruptors so no one can use them. Zeb ends up in a one-on-one -on -one fight with Agent Callus after seeing his bow rifle, a weapon that is only supposed to be carried by the Lasan High Honor Guard. The two viciously fight with Callus taunting, or Kalis taunting Zeb mercilessly and viciously, which only ends with when Ezra instinctively force pushes Callus away from Zeb. Thanks to Hera's piloting skill, the crew and all the droids escape. C-3PO and R2-D2 are then delivered back to their master, Bail Organa. Yay, yes. sexy tree. Kanan resolves to be a better Jedi teacher to Ezra. Then we have Fight or Flight, which I love that title. Zeb and Ezra are at each other's throats again. As a punishment, Mama Hera sends them on a supply run with specific instructions to return with at least one Melu run fruit. In the market, Ezra runs into his old family friend, Morad Sumar, who refuses to sell his farm to the Empire. After Ezra reunites with Zeb, who got all of the supplies except for the Melu run, the pair stumble on a crepe of the fruit only to find out bum 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 or bum 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 bum. <laughs> It's been purchased by the Empire. Ezra tries to steal it with the Force, but that doesn't work. It was so cute. And Ezra races over rooftops while Zeb ends up inside a TIE fighter. Yes. I do love that he had one job and he <laughs> Zeb got everything else. Literally all of the other supplies and Ezra didn't get one thing he was supposed to get. Well, it's also the thing that they weren't really supposed to get it. So I think yeah. it's okay. Yeah. But yeah, no, Zeb did all the, Zeb did the heavy lifting here multiple times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Ezra hops in the TIE fighter with Zeb and the two of them end up fleeing in the stolen ship. After getting in touch with the ghost, Caden orders the two of them to destroy the TIE fighter and meet for a rendezvous. On the way, Ezra and Zeb see smoke rising from the horizon and decide to check it out. Turns out Ezra's friend Morad has been forcibly removed, AKA arrested from his yep. farm and is on his way to prison with the other farmers who refuse to sell. Ezra and Zeb decide to help the farmers and attack the prisoner convoy. Zeb uses a TIE fighter to fend off most attacks, and Ezra successfully uses the force to release the prisoners. After so free great. everyone... Oh, it was great. That's a great moment. After freeing everyone, Ezra and Zeb steal the crate of Melu run fruit and head for the rendezvous. When meeting with Kanan and Hera, they insist that they purposely crash the TIE fighter as ordered, and the pair of them have a much easier rapport with each other. Zeb gives Ezra an Imperial helmet for his collection, which was another great little moment where Ezra's like, oh, I already have that one. And then he sees the look on Zeb's face. He's like, but this is cool, it's Sabine will paint it. They return to their room to find that Sabine has painted a mural of their hilarious antics from earlier in the episode on the wall. <laughs> I love that. That's so probably my favorite artwork of Sabine's. It's so cute. <laughs> it's it's so funny. <laughs> well, I think that uh, does our summary really nice. So let's move on to that second holocron, The Will of the Force, where we talk about the theme or themes of today's episode. And I wanted to start us off with the episode's theme of doing the right thing over profit, AKA what to do with those blasters. Now, Kanan, as much as I love him, he's willing to sell them all to Zago, but luck allowed them to sell the rest of them to Bail Organa. How do we feel about Kanan's decision to really, it's not even, I'll start off by saying, it wasn't just for profit for Kanan because he needs to keep that relationship open with Vizago. I mean, that would be really bad if he reneged on that deal and then tried to have another deal with him. But how do you two feel about Kanan's choice here? Ooh, this is a really tough one that rebels will come up against a lot of times the moral implications of being part of a rebellion cell and how you stay alive trying to fight for the greater good. You kind of have to make these smaller choices where are you going to be able to eat and keep the ship running by selling these weapons and i i would probably feel like zeb if my people had been annihilated by these weapons which are illegal like you're not supposed to have these weapons even right. in the empire yeah. 
But, right. I mean, they were mm-hmm. so bad that even the Empire was like, we're not doing these weapons anymore. That's yeah. that's how bad yeah. these well, weapons are. Bad press. I mean, the, the, <laughs> they probably give them to like their secret commando troops or something. Yeah, but... they were banned by the Senate, which yeah. doesn't really do much yeah. nowadays. Um, they yeah. Try. Yeah. I like that Rebels is willing to show these types of things, that these are choices that this crew has to make. I... I'm more okay with the decision to take the mission in the first place and then less okay with it after you find out what the weapons are. Like going into it, they only know that it's a crate of weapons that we're going to steal and sell to Visago. Right. But once they find out that they are the ion disruptors, I'm a little less okay with the choice to still try and sell. Yeah. Well, and they're heading to Lothal. Like this is Tua is one of the ministers of Lothal. So these are going to be used, they would assume, on Ezra's home planet, and now which is kind of like their home base. So that is probably setting off all of Zeb's red flags. And they do mention that these are prototypes that they're going, despite the fact that these weapons are banned, they were going to be used as the prototypes to get mass produced in the factories on Lothal. Mm-hmm. Not great. Not a great choice, Daddy Kanan. And yeah. speaking of Daddy Kanan, why don't we move to the series theme um, to return to a chosen family? And here we're dealing with empathy and Ezra needing to cut Zeb a little slack. Mm-hmm. And then uh, empathy also goes to helping the arrested farmers. So, how do we feel about the empathy theme? I like it a lot in this one. I like that we're getting the seeds of. Ezra's burgeoning empathy and having that be a real driver for him. I mean, we did, what was it, four episodes on Ezra's empathy? We did. (laughs) Specifically (laughs) that topic. So to see it start to come, to see it start to come out in these earlier episodes, it's, I like it a lot. Mm -hmm. Colleen, anything to add? Okay, cool, cool, cool. It's adorable. And Zeb, I don't think is used to having people empathize with him about this he probably doesn't talk about it a lot so it's nice that he and Ezra can have that connection yep well this one isn't as light and fluffy um getting straight into the dark and dirty fascism the empire destroying the farmhouse and taking all the farmers prisoner if they didn't fall in line and I was really concerned watching it that they were going to be enslaved like not just in prison but like a prisoner internment camp um Spice and, Kessel, fascism here you is just... <laughs> and i mean fascism is going to be with us the entire way through because that's just that's the beauty of star wars it is but it's also something that we don't get to see a lot throughout star wars like all through the original trilogy we're we're with the rebels we're not seeing this effect on everyday people and what their lives are great like. great point great yeah. point anders yeah these are people who can't fight back like the rebels even though they're a ragtag group, they can fight back. Poor farmers really have no choice except to try and stand up to them verbally. Right. Which is awesome that he has this much backbone. It's like, no, I'm not leaving my home, but without help from people who know how to fight. That's some eminent domain BS. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, lawyered. Well, that's a good place for us to move on to that third holocron. So, Anders, why don't you take it away? Absolutely. For our third holocron, we are examining the galaxy's populace, where we take a look at the characters and relationships showcased in these episodes. And I'm going to start us off with my favorite Mandalorian, Sabine Wren. Yeah, Gotta love her. (laughs) She's very quick on her feet. She's instantly identified as both an artist and a demolitions expert which you guys know, I love to see things blow up. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Ezra finds her attractive. She's hot. Don't um, we all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anders, <laughs> Anders, scale of one to 10. Ignore the fact that she's too young for us. We're like reverting ourselves back to our teens. If I were Ezra, Sabine's a solid nine. Yeah. Probably yeah. a nine and a half, especially when she's armored up. Hell yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Like young us would be like, she hot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, some of you guys might recognize Sabine's voice as Vicky, Vicky from The Good Place. Yeah. Tia Sarkar is fantastic in this role. She gives Sabine so much 
additional additional I want to say character but it's like yeah. it's a weird thing to say when you're talking about that but yeah um, the heart we get a glimpse of her artistic and explosive skills in the pilot but these ones also show off a little bit of her kind of mischievous sass <laughs> when she does the painting on their wall mm -hmm. yes. and when Kanan tells her to destroy the blaster she's like now nah, you're talking my language <laughs> she loves it right yeah you want me to blow something up all right I'm on it oh man I love Sabine I love her so much <laughs> oh my gosh next we have one of our key featured people in this episode Zeb aka Gara Zeb Aurelios <laughs> <laughs> He looks like a giant purple cat, y'all. He is adorable. And he has a Cockney accent, which I'm here for. Voice actor Stephen Bloom admitted that Zeb's Cockney-like accent was even more pronounced when they were developing the show. I can't imagine that. Even more of an accent on him. I can't imagine trying not... to animate a Cockney accent. Right, exactly. Like, what do we even do with his face right now? We love Seth, though. He's a Lasat. He is very rough around the edges kind of guy. He's very gruff. He is jaded at this point. He might have left Ezra behind on the first mission. Whoopsies. But he grudgingly makes up for it in these episodes. I do love how Ezra keeps bringing up, oh, remember when I flipped, <laughs> saved, saved your life? life? And Seth's like, you have to start talking about that. <laughs> Every single time. We also get that kind of awkward heart of gold big brother energy from him in these episodes. Um, the Lasat race was actually created just for rebels. It's like a Wookiee situation, except they can speak basic, which is kind of cool. The episodes give us a much deeper look at Seb than the series pilot did, which is good because he came off as a dick in those first mm -hmm. episodes. We see him dealing with this grief and loss of his people and his struggle to sell the weapons to Visago, despite knowing what they can do. Uh, yep. It's yep. Just, yeah. Well, next up is one of my favorite droids, if not <laughs> my favorite droid of all times, C1-10P, commonly known as Chopper or simply as Chop, is a C1 series astromech droid manufactured by the industrial automation or automaton, actually. He's responsible for maintaining the ghost and is quite snarky and mischievous and many people's favorite droids. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, um, due to his old age and lack of regular maintenance, Hera, get on that, Chopper developed an argumentative, cantankerous, and mischievous personality, which is clear from the first few episodes, though we know he'll always, always, always be on Hera's side. We see him teasing Ezra when the kid is trying to do some force practice, and that was, he that also was mean. misses... That was just mean, <laughs> to, mean. to lift mean. the thing. Oh my, and to steal all the bolts and everything. He's just, he likes causing trouble. Mm -hmm. Every time I see him, he, when he's like waving his his arms at the side of his head, I just have it, like the old timey boxer in my mind, like being like, come on, put him up, put him up. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Anders, why don't we now move on to relationships? Yes, so this these episodes gave us uh, a lot deeper look at a couple of the central relationships of the show. Starting with Ezra, we see him start to fit in with the crew. He is Zeb's roommate. <laughs> so they actually have to interact a lot more despite the fact that Zeb left him behind. And then Ezra saved his life. Two things, if I were Ezra, I would definitely not stop bringing up either. <laughs> um, but they have that bickering back and forth. The banter and the TIE fighter is perfect. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Uh, and we also see his, almost his lack of a relationship at this point with Kanan, who said at the end mm. of the pilot, I will train you as a Jedi. And apparently that just hasn't been happening yet, happening. Yep. Despite Ezra having like huge untapped potential, it's just his Jedi Force natural abilities are off the freaking chain. Yeah. Which probably scares Kanan. Like, what Probably. do I do with this child? <laughs> what do I do with this sassy child? Yeah. Speaking of which, why don't you talk about the Hera and Kanan relationship, mm. Colleen? Yes, please. I will talk about that forever and a day. I love when they get into arguments, even like just little tiffs. They argue about Ezra's training here. And it's really refreshing for a character who's 
not force sensitive, who's Hera, stressing the importance of talking about stuff, which is important in Star Wars because nobody freaking communicates in Star Wars. Uh, what will they think of next? I love their relationship where they can actually have a discussion and not have it turn into a all-out brawl where somebody storms away. Right. It's like mm-hmm. they have their discussion and then they figure out what to do and then Kanan listens to Hera which let's be fair is really the outcome <laughs> of most of their arguments but she's really smart and in tune with him as a person and it's like you got to get this job done though we picked up this kid this orphan so we have to do something with him we can't just <laughs> let him peter away his talent like come on yep where's the lesson plan she wants mm-hmm. to see it she wants to see the notes <laughs> I would too. Where are the TPS reports? Uh-huh, and, TPS reports. And then next, it's very important for us to mention that very intense relationship between Zeb and Agent Callis. They haven't shared much conversation, but we know that Callis gave the order to decimate Zeb's people and that he stole the boat rifle from the Lausanne Honor Guard. The fight between these two, uh, these two at the end of Droids in Distress is heated AF. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those emotions is, are running high. It's one of the best antagonistic relationships on the show. It's just, mm. yep, mm-hmm. yep. Well, why don't we move on to that fourth holocron binding the galaxy together, which Callus and er, Zeb are not doing, where we move to our homages and Easter eggs. And I mean, first and foremost, we just have to mention without further ado, R2-D2 and C-3PO, an obvious homage. Yes, yes. definitely. I love those two. Mm-hmm. I love how they, they just geez. always find ways to bring them into the story. Like no matter Absolutely. what Star Wars project you're, you're doing, you will find a way to bring R2 and 3PO in. Right. Well, They'll show up in like Knights of the Old Republic somehow. <laughs> what, was, what was that, Anders, you first and then you, Colleen? I would say that they'll find a way to incorporate R2 and 3PO into like Knights of the Old Republic set like 3,000 years in the past. (laughs) (laughs) That would be wild. (laughs) It would just, yeah, that'd be wild. Well, that's not the only droid here. Colleen, Mm. what about the next one? Yeah, there's another protocol droid who's in the back of the transport who resembles some of the original 3PO concept art, which is really cool. I, I love seeing different droids or different iterations of what they thought 3PO or R2 could look like. Yeah, this one does look, it looks a little bit more like some of that original Ralph McQuarrie art. And Mm -hmm. um, you can see the influences if anyone's ever seen the old silent film Metropolis. Yes. It's got very angular faces. Mm -hmm. Um, The transport itself that they are on is piloted by RX-24 and RX series droid, who also works for Star Tours at Disneyland. which we're pretty sure it's that's where this transport is also from yep yep exactly um we don't know if this counts per se as an homage or an easter egg but the way ezra used the force push in the battle in a moment of extreme fear or emotion gave us some very strong harry potter wandless pre-hogwarts magic vibes for sure all instinctual which is Awesome. I mean, this is kind of where Kanan's like, oh, crap. Yeah, where is my lesson plan? (laughs) We need to be working on stuff. Because it it worked, but it could have backfired. Mm -hmm. Luckily, it did not. And he did save Zab's life. (laughs) Next up is the farm destruction on La Fall. The um, smoke coming up is reminiscent of the Lars farm. Yes, and that the farms themselves, the building structures on the fall are very reminiscent of the structures on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they look like moisture farms, although they probably aren't. All I don't think they are because the they time. actually have plants on the yeah. fall. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. and then this was a really funny one when Zeb is in the Tie Fighter and he's communicating with the the prison convoy, <laughs> he tries to pull off a, this is not the tie you're looking for. And a great little callback to Obi-Wan. That entire conversation, that's a callback to Obi-Wan. Obviously, these are not the droids you're looking for. It's also to me though, very reminiscent of Han on the Death Star being like, everything's under control, situation normal. <laughs> yep, yep. What he's I like, also, oh, go ahead, Anders. I was gonna say, when he's just like, uh, this, it's a totally different tie, totally different, separate tie fighter. 
What I also appreciate is, I believe it was Zeb, not Ezra. And he was just like, this is Officer Melu Run, which is pretty much <laughs> him saying Officer Strawberry. <laughs> yeah. God, I love that part so much. Hey, Ezra's not the only one who can come up with uh, names like Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh man, I love that part too. Speaking of the tie, the Imperial pilot who gets his tie stolen by Zeb is Baron Valen Ruder, who will make a few more appearances on this show. He's kind of like that typical ace pilot jerk guy. So we will be seeing him again. And then, well, Colleen mentioned earlier that Zeb is a Lassat and that race was invented for rebels. Doesn't mean they haven't shown up in other places. Uh, people who play Jedi Fallen Order may recognize Cal Kessis's Jedi Master as the Lasat Jaro Tipal. Mm-hmm. So cool. Oh god, that sequence with Order 66 with Tipal is... Mm. <laughs> I cry. <laughs> I don't even play the game and I watch that and it's like, why? <laughs> just rude y'all to give us another Lasat and him be a Jedi and then just have him die. Mm-hmm. Thank you Star Wars. And then we have tall beautiful sexy tree Bail Organa showing up <laughs> mm, looking good. I do wonder what how they don't recognize him because he's a very prominent senator but maybe mm. just because they're out on the outer rim and not really hearing about stuff and Bail is kind of quieter because he's ties to the rebellion are supposed to be very hush hush. But still, I was like, really? You don't recognize? Listen, (laughs) I confess that I don't, I wouldn't be able to recognize all the senators in the United States. So like, I don't fault them for not recognizing a single senator. Yeah, that's very true. That is very true. But look at him. Look at him. He's so handsome. (laughs) He is the senator from Alderaan. He appears at the end of Droids in Distress and gives a very nice visual link to his daughter, Leia, in the way when he crouches down in front of R2. And then also it's like, wipe through Pio's mind again. That's fine. But not R2-D2s, of course no, not. Never wipe no. R2. He's got way too much drama in those drives. <laughs> well, let's move on to our fifth holocron, Conjecture at the Cantina, where we ask our questions about the episode and explore some of the wider Star Wars lore together. Colleen, mm-hmm. you want to kick us off with your normal? Yes, yes. So what did Dave Filoni and the crew have to say about these episodes? Um, this is kind of a fun one. There's a bunch of little tidbits about these episodes. Hera's voice actor, Vanessa Marshall, shared that the cast all record together, the main cast. So it kind of conveys that they're a family a lot better. They can play off of each other and do their dialogue together so they get the right reactions. And then Dave Filoni told, who is Rebels Recon host, Andy Gutierrez, that the main idea for Fight or Flight, which is fantastic, was to put a hero instead of a villain inside a TIE fighter because so many of them in the crew loved that ship toy when they were kids. <laughs> and they precious. would always play games like where a hero got into a TIE fighter. So this is them playing out their, their kid fantasy. Fantasies, like, oh my gosh. Precious, <laughs> I love it. He also shared that the Zeb-Ezra brother relationship hits home to him because he has an older brother, someone who would pick on you the most, but then also yep. be there to support you more than anyone which is so Zeb and Ezra, I just love it. And then Zeb's voice actor, Steve Bloom, also said that he thinks of Taylor, who is Ezra's voice actor as his little brother. (laughs) That's so precious too. This is the most precious recap. So cute, I can't, you guys, I love it. they're They're not only brothers, they are in fact roommates. And so this, these episodes give us a better look at the ghost than we got mm-hmm. in the pilot, kind of more the interiors, more the space, which is presumably it's going to be one of our main settings for the entire show. So I wanted to take a closer look at that. What kind of a ship is the ghost? It is a heavily modified VCX 100 series light freighter, Corellian made very much like the Millennium Falcon. However, the Ghost is larger than the Falcon and more suited to housing its crew for longer periods of time. Mm -hmm. According to the book Star Wars, absolutely everything you need to know, the Ghost also has engines that were baffled, energy dampeners, and static jammers, which make it very hard to detect. 
these features, plus over 87 illegal upgrades Not bad. to the coast stealth systems allow the freighter to mimic solar fluctuations or cosmic, radi cosmic radiation on many sensors. But I also would like to dive into C-3PO a little bit in these episodes. So he calls the Empire for help because of Classic. course he does. Classic yeah. 3PO. But now, I know he's had at least one memory wipe in the past, but does Bail Organa just, like, not tell him anything? Like, he knew enough not to mention Bail's name to anybody, but he didn't know that R2 had a second secret mission. Like, why isn't he getting told this? Also, I'm kind of curious, what was the excuse to send R2 on this mission anyway? Like, 3PO actually had a functioning role. He was on loan to be a translator. What the heck right. was the excuse to get R2 into this mission in the first place? Because they're buddies. I mean, because of plot device. <laughs> Maybe they needed an astromech for something. <laughs> but then still, is 3PO just completely incapable of lying or something? And that's why no one ever tells him anything? I think that that's a very fair guess. He's a blabbermouth. <laughs> yep. Always, always talking when he shouldn't, which, which is a good segue for us to talk about how many languages C-3PO knows by this, and it is six million forms, not too shabby. I had read somewhere else that it said seven million, but I think I've only heard six million actually stated in episode four. Mm -hmm. By the time of what is known in-universe as the Cold War, the state of tension in the government as the First Order arose, 3PO's, I think it's Trang Lang, three communication mod module got upgraded. This communication module is simply a piece of equipment allowing droids to communicate. When it was updated, 3PO went, ah, yes, from 6 million forms of communication to 7 million plus forms of communication. Mm -hmm. um, by far the weirdest of the languages we know that C-3PO can speak is the language we hear him speak as he attempts to enter Jabba's palace in Return of the Jedi, and that language is Polish. Jabba do hut. <laughs> it's so perfect. Like, why aren't we speaking Hutties? Like, <laughs> and speaking of language, I had been wondering what Carabast was because Zeb swears it when he sees the disruptors' weapons. And Carabast is a Lasat exclamation commonly used during moments of crisis. Which real, what's really, really cool is my one of my favorite guys, Qui-Gon Jinn, um, thought this exclamation during the coronation of Queen Fanray as his Padawan Obi-Wan Kenobi was seemingly trapped following um, their de declaration of rebellion. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. Ezra, of course, and Sabine later adopt it as well. Yes, yes. I'm pretty Karabast. sure. I think it's great. And I think it's just one of those funny things where the writers are like, we're on the Disney Channel. We can't swear. So we'll make up our own. Yes. But Zeb is obviously someone who would be cursing all the time. Oh, yes. my goodness. Yes. I mean, they and it's not quite as people. obvious. It's not quite as obvious as on something in like Battlestar Galactica where they just invert a couple letters and say frack <laughs> well i want to pivot completely and have you guys guess i mean we'll never really know so this is like headcanon what do we think melu runs taste like i think they're either like dragon fruits or mangoes that's my guess Ooh, that sounds delicious a mango dragon fruit combo yes please i think it's somewhere between a watermelon and a strawberry. Ooh. Oh, that's a like a really, fruit. really juicy, fleshy fruit. Mm -hmm. I, I was going to say cantaloupe at first, but I don't think that's sweet enough. I think Hera kind of has this secret sweet tooth, but oh, she definitely. still wants to be healthy. So she's like, well, I can't eat a bunch of sugar. Like, let's just get Melu Run. I like the idea of the mango just because it's tart and sweet. Mm -hmm. That would be delicious but then have more of like a consistency of dragon fruit i i like that idea it well, sounds to, delicious to pivot <laughs> yeah. again one of the things that i was wondering watching this and i mentioned earlier is ezra seems to have this incredible natural gift with the force i mean he hasn't yet been trained by kanan at all and he's doing absolutely 
incredible things. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, are his capable capabilities like similar to Ray? I know that Ray in the sequels had gotten a lot of slack, at least as a character, the idea that she wasn't like formally trained or anything like that. And she seemed to be doing these absolutely incredible feats um, with the force, but, but we see things similarly with Ezra here. What do you guys think about that comparison mm. between Ezra and Ray? Is it, is it fair? Is it something that bothers you? Do you like it? I mean, I absolutely love it. I find Ezra to be completely believable. Mm -hmm. I think Ray is more powerful by like maybe a smidgen. I mean, she has a really raw innate sense of the force and can instinctually use it. And she also kind of has this like ability to mimic other force users, which I think is her yeah. kind of force superpower. Like how other people have, like Ezra has this empathy that he'll use later on. I like that all of these youngsters just are precocious and just can instinctually use the force. Ezra definitely is very powerful. I think he probably has more ability naturally with the force than someone like Kanan does, which is also fun to see. Like, I'm wondering, the student will outpace the master. <laughs> I'm wondering if Ezra, if the fact that he is so powerful comes from the fact that he had such little training, he wasn't focusing it very from an early age. So, just like Ray, didn't have any training until much later. So they are more powerful because it's just kind of grown and grown and grown mm -hmm. unchecked. Um, I also like the idea, in my mind, Ray and Ezra have such power because A, they are older, they are teenagers. Mm -hmm. But the reason that they are better at kind of consciously using the force over someone like Luke was necessarily, who really was just kind of still going on instinct. He was still a great pilot, like definitely had the reflexes and everything, same with Anakin. But Ezra and Rey have had to fight to survive. Bingo, that's what and, I think it do, is. And in doing that, yeah, they that's where they get some of that natural ability because they are trying to leverage anything that they can to do things. Whereas, you know, someone like Luke grew up relatively comfortably. He didn't have to yeah. fight for those things. Like who knows, maybe he and was Leia. like really, really good at lifting the uh, the moisture evaporators or something like that, yeah. but he never had to throw them or learn to fight mm -hmm. the way that right. Ezra and uh, Ray did. Mm -hmm. But they still, they still had to survive. So like to compare again to little baby Yoda, Grogu, we had been cautioned that if he didn't use his force abilities, it would pretty much wane or go away. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the distinctions here between Grogu and Ezra and Rey is that Grogu had been tortured and made to repress his force abilities, mm -hmm. whereas that didn't happen with Ezra and Ray. Sure, they had incredibly tough lives, but I think that's also another distinction why Ezra's power didn't wane. Do you guys think that that's fair? Yeah, I think definitely. so for sure. And I think that's why Kanan and Obi-Wan, even though they're not using their force abilities as much, they're older in their life cycle. So I think that's why they don't lose it because they're already in touch with it so much that it might wane a little bit, but then they just have to get into practice. Whereas Grogu is young for his species. So if he, as a child, represses it, then it could go away. Although this could be some like Harry Potter kind of suppressing magic <laughs> situation too, where it just kind of explodes out of them, Yeah, which could be bad. <laughs> and maybe we'll find bad. out fingers crossed yeah. well until then Anders why don't you take us away with the last one yeah so this was just a little note that I that I had on this episode the idea of discriminating against droids Sarah I know this is an issue very close to your heart but when they are yeah, in the it. trans when they are in the transport the the pilot droid says that you know droids have to sit in the back I, they basically are just being treated more as cargo mm -mm. than as passengers despite the fact that 3PO had a job to do on this thing, on this transport. He was there specifically to trans translate between these two, I don't know if 
I don't know if the other yeah, guy is an official Tua and the Aqualish guy. Yeah. I don't know if the Aqualish well, guy was actually. When you discriminate, you end up in the wrong hangar. <laughs> so lesson learned: don't discriminate against droids, and you'll end up in the right hangar. Come on, exactly. Now. Oh man, yeah. Mm. Anything to do with droids is so hard in Star Wars. I do like that they are actually focusing on that here and bringing it up, and mm -hmm. I do love that. Like, if my droid has to sit in the back, all y'all droids have to sit in the back. <laughs> man it's just wonderful well especially when you see the droids like these three who have very distinct personalities and you know that they're people yep this isn't mm -hmm. just an imprinted consciousness going on for every single droid they all have their own personality yeah. so seeing this was rough even though the other protocol droids just standing back there just like my name is business <laughs> yeah this is my lot in life i guess i have to stand in the back <laughs> Well, I think that wraps up Conjecture at the Cantina. And now we are on to our sixth holocron, the newbie from Naboo. <laughs> <laughs> this is Flo's first time watching Rebels, so we've tasked her with watching the episodes and giving us her questions and takes. Let's find out what our ambassador for Naboo with the good hair thought about today's uh -huh. episode. <laughs> Thank you. This is my, I rolled out of bed this morning hair. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I really enjoyed these episodes again. So that was great. I watched them yesterday. I think the thing that's like hitting me most in watching Rebels compared to Clone Wars is just that there's a linear story. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what a show can do when it's linear, eh? Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible. I'm just like, oh, wow, I can actually like follow what's happening. So that's really nice. Okay, so I thought I'd start with episode three for this one. The first thing that hit me was the commuter shuttle that they're on. Like, as a big Disneyland fan, that was 100% the Star Tours ride. <laughs> like, it, they didn't even try to hide it or, like, make it subtle. It was just like, oh, we're on Star Tours. Okay, got it. Like, it was the same droid. It was, like, everything was the same, the same, like, whatever. It was just really, really cute. So I loved that. Because I love Star Tours. It's great. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, on Star Tours, we usually see C-3PO. And here he was. And it was so <laughs> exciting. <laughs> just seeing C-3PO and R2, like, just helps with the nostalgia. Because, like, when we don't know anybody, it can be a little bit difficult. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I think Star Wars is, like, really good at bringing in original characters that you're like, hey, it's all connected. Except for Luke. Don't bring back Luke. <laughs> Mando, I mean, please. Anthony Thank Daniels got to get Anthony Daniels got to get into every Star Wars project that's ever happened. So I mean, always find a way. Yeah, go get Can yours. Get also obsessed with them interacting with Chopper, who is like quickly going up on my power <laughs> rankings. Oh yeah, Chopper's great. Chop is. I'm just like obsessed with like his little claw arms. <laughs> he's he's quite a sass, and I'm I'm a sucker for sass. So that was that was great. Um, I did learn some great teaching tips actually from this episode because when the uh, the commuter shuttle droid keeps referring to them as sentience, I was just like, that's <laughs> it. This is the gender neutral term I will now be using in my classroom. Yep. Perfect. All sentience, <laughs> so, please sit down. <laughs> that was great. I, I really, really like that. They don't use that on Star Tours. I wish they did. Maybe they'll change the script now. I don't know. I love how um, sassy he gets too with Tua. Like, oh yeah those are the empire's rules yes, that was great. <laughs> such a stickler right like crazy i loved that per usual c3po ruins the party once again like he yeah. always oh, does of course of course like that's just what he does like that was kind of messed up for him to call agent callus like that like what what was that was well, to be fair he it. didn't Go Sorry. Ahead, Andrew. i was gonna say to be fair he didn't actually call callus he was trying to call the governor of lothal and it got well, rerouted. Okay. Why is he calling anyone? Because he he and R2 have their own mission. <laughs> well, he and R2 need to chill out because listen, the R2 chills chill. So like let's let's be chill, guys. It's this is a little side quest. And you know how I like side quests, and I'll talk about that in the next episode. Um, <laughs> I'm obsessed with them using the force theme, like song mm -hmm. score repeatedly. It just like that just feels really good and just like it swells and then your heart is just like oh <laughs> so that's an awesome what? are you laughing at my heart swelling Anders honestly 
No, it's adorable, Flo. Don't it tell is, me it that is great. Your entire being doesn't just like buzz from yeah. hearing that. Absolutely it, it not. No, it lifts form. you up. Okay. It's great. Yes. The music. I, I mean, love how incredible. happy it is making you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then finally on this one, like ending with Bail Organa, I like hit my husband. I was just like, oh my God, it's <laughs> Organa. Jimmy Smith. <laughs> It was so great. I was really, really excited to see him. And then I just like loved that shot of him kneeling in front of R2, just like Leia does. That mm-hmm. was just like, oh man, all the feels. So I my question, my number one question is, do we see Leia in this team? Mom's the word. <laughs> Spoilers. We'll never see. All right. Well, if we do, I've got a great uh Leia outfit that I'll wear to the pod. So get <laughs> it's not the gold bikini. Everybody calm down. <laughs> Let me let me ask before we move on. On a scale of one to ten, yeah, oh, how hot is Bail Organa? Like, where where is he at? Okay, well, let me start off with his facial hair is way better than Callus's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a million times better, and his eyebrows are better than Kanan's. So, <laughs> I know these are fighting words. Um, I mean, he's hot. Bail Organa's one to ten. <laughs> I'm gonna give him like an eight point five. Yeah, I was going to go solid eight. Maybe if I was feeling a little bit feisty, an extra decimal point or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight, eight I, I feel like he's definitely hot. Yeah. But I feel like he's a little too nice. He's very nice. Oh, well, you, yeah, no. you like the bad boys. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm an Anakin girl, so don't give me Bail Organa. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so then my only other question was kind of related to C-3PO's leg. Mm-hmm. Because I was wondering, like, I, I don't think I'd ever seen C-3PO looking like that. Like, obviously, like, we've seen the arm and stuff. But, like, when is this happening? And what happened? And did I miss it? Or am I just, like, forgetting? Um, in the <laughs> timeline. In the timeline. <laughs> in the timeline, this is five years before Rogue One slash A New Hope. Because okay. Ezra's 14 and he'll be 19 at the end. Okay. Uh, the leg, you mean like the silver versus the gold? Yeah. That's it's always been like that, at least with the I original feel like it trilogy. Was way more noticeable in this. Yeah. It's a lot I, more noticeable yeah. here. I don't think okay. they did it. They didn't do it during Clone Wars. So he's right. all gold on that. And it's a lot more subtle when you're seeing it in live action. If you go back and rewatch like okay. the original trilogy, you'll see it if you're looking for it, but it's not something yeah. that. I feel like. I mean, it looked really jarring in this. Mm-hmm. So that I was just like, what is happening? Did I like miss a storyline where like he gets a new leg? Like, I'll what? bet it was R2's fault. I mean, it's always Probably. R2's fault when it comes to C3PO. So, <laughs> okay, so let's talk about episode four. I did not like episode four as much as I liked episode three. Um, mm-hmm. you guys I wonder why. I... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like maybe finding fruit is too much of a side quest for me (laughs) it's about the friends we make along the way absolutely yeah okay but can we make our friends along the way like on something important but it was still fine i still liked it i guess like because it's the episodes are shorter like i feel like i can handle it better and it is still like linear so i'm okay with it it's not like the clone wars side quest where i was like what is even like what is even happening right now yeah. Um, it felt more like a Mando side quest, which, whatever, it was fine. I have to give, <laughs> I've got to give Ezra some props right now for really trying with the flirting. He is trying his darndest. You can paint so, me. Oh my god, he was so so cute. He's basically just like leaning against the door for me, like, "Hey, baby." <laughs> All about it. So so sweet. I like how Sabine like is such a badass and it's just like bro like chill out (laughs) yeah relax little brother yes so good um the other note i had is just like hera is such a good mom like we i've only had four episodes with her and i'm already like i'm obsessed with you um great great plan getting zeb and ezra like the the fighting brothers to go work together on a silly fruit mission also she called him she called kate in love again in these episodes i forget which one and i was just like Yes, please. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. 
and how they're like the kids are gone we can actually do stuff we want to do yeah I know. yeah Why yeah I bet they where did. was the deleted scene <laughs> there's a lot of fan fiction out there about this <laughs> really about what yes. happened during the the melon run that's part of one of the stories. It's all about when Kanan and Hera are alone and have sex, basically, like every time that they have sex. So um, where could where could people yeah. find this? You could just put interested. the links links in the comments, please. <laughs> oh my gosh, I need to find them again because they're on fan fiction sites, so I'll have to try to find. Okay, them again. well, we will happily promote. Um, young aspiring fan fiction writers on the spot send us all of your i think i talked about it on our fan fiction episode well i think you did but i didn't even know what you were talking about at the time so that's true that's true now you're in the know that's right now i'm find them for you cool kids club (laughs) um in these two episodes i loved getting more of zeb's backstory so that was really good um i feel like i like him a lot more than i did in the first two episodes look how cute you are you're so cute, Colleen. I'm, for those of you who are just listening, she was holding a, a Zeb bobblehead Funko Pop. I feel like I had to say that because of our of our medium. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I love that. And then I really like just at the end where Kanan and Hera are waiting for them to come back. And it just like reminded me of like when my mom would like sit on the stairs waiting for me to come home from dates. <laughs> so yeah. that was super cute. So I love that. Give me less side quests. Give me more. Kanan and Hera. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. Those are my takes for these episodes. I'm really enjoying it. Looking forward to seeing where it's going. I think it's my big thing is that it's funny. Like I really like how funny it is. And so like that keeps me going for sure. So so thanks, team. That's why the the fruit was so important. So Ezra can have that moment on top of the thing where the stormtrooper is like, You did this for fruit? And he's like, No. Yeah. Maybe a little. Yeah, that was cute. That was really cute. I do like all the banter. I'm a big fan of banter. So the bunk uh, falling on Zeb is too funny. I can't. <laughs> I liked the part where they were talking about like getting rid of the tracking on the TIE fighter and they're like, yeah, yeah, no, we did that first. Totally thing. did it. Like, totally. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we know. That was hilarious. That was really, really funny. That went well. Yeah. That was super. And then they're like, do you know where we're going? And he's like, nope, no idea. No, where's that rendezvous point? I don't know. It was pretty funny. I loved it. Well, um, that was a great uh, newbie from Naboo. So I think that's where we're going to end it now. So join us again next week to geek out together about Rebels Season 1, Episodes 5 through 7. Until next time, please subscribe and leave us those five-star reviews. Check out our website at bohemiangeekstudies.com where you can watch all of our episodes, enjoy Colleen's book corner where she's reviewing Star Wars literature, and contact us through email and social media to let us know what you think about Rebels. As always, keep telling other nerdy knights to join us because that really does help. You can also head to forgottenentertainment.com to check out all of their offerings from the Forgotten Entertainment family, including yet another Star Wars podcast. Until next time, best car spears and sabers up and keep those episodes streaming. Colleen, maybe you should review a sexy fan fiction too. (laughs) 